0: Turn your Bibles to places really, Mark chapter number 14 and the passages that Caleb read just earlier. We won't read those again at this point, but we will work our way through them in the message. So if you'll turn to Mark chapter number 14, we will look at that this morning. Once you have found that place, I'd like for you to go to Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 2, the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 2 if you would please. Mark 14, hold your place, Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> I ask us to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 because I want to highlight it again this morning. Does that verse possibly ring a bell to you in any form or fashion, anyway? other than it's in the Word of God? Can anybody tell me the, the importance of Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2? Anybody at all? anybody at all go ahead there's a couple there's one I see at least one pointing to the wall up here Hebrews chapter 12 expecting Jesus that's our theme for this upcoming year, expecting Jesus. And I hope that I didn't catch you off guard by asking you that question. Uh, but I hope then I believe that you're living your life in such a manner that you are expecting Jesus in every circumstance, in every walk, in every issue that you deal with in life. Because we can. And I believe we, the Lord is delighted when we are expecting Him. And really that's an anticipation in faith. That's what we're doing when we're expecting Jesus. So we look in our passage this morning... We'll go back to to Mark, but I wanted to highlight this verse because it really is um, it pertains to what we're going to look at as we continue our study in Mark chapter fourteen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice this phrase: "Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame." And now, praise the Lord, is set down at the right hand, the throne of God. He endured the cross. Now go with me back to Mark's gospel. And we begin our study, or we continue our study, in looking at what I've called this morning, and last week as well, steps along the journey To the cross. Steps along the journey to the cross. Here we see the story. And the story. The context of the story is in the garden of Gethsemane. This Sunday morning we enter again into this garden of Gethsemane. Where we find Jesus Christ. And we see the events of the journey. And the steps that Jesus makes as he works his way to the cross. Earlier in chapter number 14. We saw how that Jesus had gathered with his twelve disciples in that upper chamber in the city of Jerusalem. And we won't take time to go back through all of that and all that pertained to that. But we begin reminding us, and I just want to lay that foundation of reminding this morning as we begin to build upon that. And it would have been when they gathered for that uh, that. Uh, Passover meal it would have been uh, after sunset more than likely possibly around 6pm and they gathered to celebrate the Passover meal and Jesus used that occasion to institute the ordinance of the Lord's table which we celebrate in our churches today as a matter of fact just a couple Sundays ago we celebrate as we consider these passages we celebrated the Lord's table in that place our Lord. Uh, taught many things as they partook of that uh, Passover meal the institution of uh, the inception institution of the ordinance the Lord's table the Lord taught them many things Uh, we don't have all of that recorded in Mark's gospel we have some of the things that he spoke of you could go back to John at some point in time I encourage you to go back and read John's gospel and you can fill in much of what Jesus began to teach his disciples Jesus in that teaching and in this time there at that uh, Passover meal, the Lord's table, he began preparing these men for uh, the time when he would no longer be with them. He began to prepare them concerning his, Jesus Christ's death. But now, as he's talking about that, now the time has come. We move forward and now the time has come. The hour for which Jesus has come is now here. He spoke often of the hour that would come. My hour's not yet come. Now as we come into the garden of Gethsemane. He's literally just hours from the cross. The time is now. That hour has come. I remind you of our key verse in Mark's gospel. It's been some time since we've brought it out and brought it up again. But I remind you of the key verse. Do you remember what it was? Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the key verse. That's what we're looking at. The servant Savior, that is Jesus Christ. Jesus, as he came to minister, he came for this purpose. He never lost sight of it. He never lost sight of his purpose. He never got sidetracked from his mission. You ever go into a room and you go into that room and after a few minutes something happens. Someone speaks to you or the phone rings or something happens. And you just say to yourself, why did I come into this room? What, did I, what happened? What am I looking for? And you walk out and you never even go back to that. And you never find it. And it dawns on you sometime later. It's easy for us to get sidetracked many times, isn't it? I'm glad Jesus didn't get sidetracked. He never got sidetracked off of his mission. In Luke chapter 9 and verse number 51, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. His purpose... For being in Jerusalem at this particular time was to die for you and to die for me. He was to die and he was to be the ransom. His death would be the ransom for all who would by faith look to him and be saved. Are you saved this morning? Are you saved? Didn't ask if you were religious this morning. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you on your way to heaven? Have you found Jesus? Is there a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in your life? That was the purpose for Christ's coming. That's why he was here. He was on a journey to the cross. A journey to the cross. He told his disciples that night as they were in that upper chamber. That one of them would betray him. He told them uh, that all of them would soon be scattered and all of them would depart from him. He told them that the Son of Man would be delivered to the chief priests and to the scribes and they would condemn him to death. He begins teaching, he begins talking again. He had previously, but now he's reiterating it because the time is so close. He begins telling them all that's about to happen. He told them that he would be mocked. He told them that he would be scourged. he would be spit upon, and that he would be killed. But then he said... As he told them all these things, Jesus, then he said, After that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. After that I am risen, he says, I'll go before you into Galilee. Understand that Jesus never left his followers without hope. That's good news. Jesus never left his followers without hope. He didn't leave them, and let me just say this morning, he won't leave you either. He won't leave you either. There may be times when it seems dark and we don't understand what's all happening around us. We can't figure it out. We can't see some light maybe at the end of the tunnel. And if we're in a tunnel, we can't see anything but the other tunnel that's ahead. Uh, sometimes we look around us in the day in which we live and we see war. War. We see disease, we see pain, we see sorrows, we see hardships, we see disappointments, and all of these may come, and they likely will come. Some of you are in them now. They likely will come. We live long enough. We go through this world, we are fallen creatures. The older I get, the more I understand that. I'm just a fallen creature. Subject to a fall. We're strangers and pilgrims. We're just passing through. We're subject to and living in a fallen world. That's why all these things are happening. We are fallen creatures subject to and living in a sin-cursed world. We may go through many things in our life. No doubt we do. We may go through many things. But as a born-again Christian... We don't have to go through them alone. We don't have to go through them alone. And we don't go through them. We as born again Christians have hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That's Bible. That's not preacher here. That's Bible. That's just a preacher telling you what the Bible says. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That promise is to the child of God. It's to the born-again Christian that knows for sure. They put their faith. There's been a time in your life when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You got on your knees and you asked Jesus. You, had, you agreed with God about your sin. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. That's what repentance is. Repentance is simply being in agreement with God. God, I know I'm a sinner just like you told me. Lord, I see it in my life. I see it in every aspect of my living. And God, I this morning, I agree with you. I repent. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall instantaneously be saved. At that moment, in that prayer of faith, you shall be saved. Has there been the time in your life when you've been saved? I encourage you this morning, if it's never happened to you, oh, it should and it needs to and it could. and I trust that it will this morning. Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Our hope is in Jesus. Our reward is in heaven. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? Our reward is in heaven. Like Abraham, we look for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker... Is God. Jesus said in Luke 21. When these things begin to come to pass. Everything that we see going on in our world today. These are the things he's talking about. When you see the things that we see in our world today. When you see these things come to pass. Jesus said then look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Listen Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. Nothing has to happen before Jesus steps about out on the clouds of heaven and calls his church, calls his saints, his born-again children home. It could happen today. It could happen before we leave. I look forward to, to meeting Jesus. I think uh, no better place to meet Jesus than being in a gathering just like this. Uh, being in church. Uh, I I just, I leave that alone. Let me just, uh, just, I won't start preaching on that. I just simply say, if Jesus comes on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, I want to be in church then too. But let me just stop there for another message. He says, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Proverbs 13 and 12. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, when the thing that you're looking for cometh, when it takes place, it is a tree of life. Our heavenly hope may be deferred for a time, but understand it is not dead. Our hope may be deferred, but it's not dead. Jesus is coming again. The story is told, a true story. Over 180 years ago, an old Baptist preacher and a hymn writer was meditating on how wonderful the Christian life is and how wonderful it was to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as he was walking down the road, he began to compose a hymn. And by the end of the day, he had four verses and a chorus of that hymn composed. And as he went throughout the week, and come Sunday morning, he had two more verses that he had added to it. On that Sunday morning, as they had gathered for the Sunday morning service, and after the service, uh, the preacher, he went out to visit the home of uh, some uh, family that was in his church that were unable to attend, a member of his congregation. And in that family... The wife and the mother was on her deathbed. And she'd soon pass away. And the husband of the family, the daddy, he said, Preacher, we'd love for you to sing a hymn with us. We'd love for you to read your Bible with us. And we'd love for you to pray with us. Edward Mote, he reached down into his pocket and he pulled out the freshly pinned hymn. He sang it for the first time that morning. It went like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In, in every, every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus is our blessed hope, and we're looking for Him. He is not only our blessed hope, but he, we are looking for that glorious appearing. And it could happen today. It was likely close to midnight. If we come back to our text, it was likely close to midnight when Jesus and His disciples, they, the Bible says, they sang a hymn. And they headed out across the Kidron Valley up toward Mount of Olives. And Jesus enters into the garden of Gethsemane to pray. The, the, the word Gethsemane there literally means the press. A place where those olives would have been pressed. It's a, it's a press. And just as where Jesus was. Fitting for where Jesus was. Here his soul and his body begins to agonize. If you would become pressed over what Christ knows is about to happen over what just is about to take place very soon. It is a very cold night that evening. We noted last week, uh, they built fires, we'll see later on. They built fires to warm themselves. It's a very cold that evening, at the foot of the Mount of Olives, there in that garden. But Luke tells us that his sweat, he's sweating so profusely, in so much agony, that his sweat becomes as great drops of blood as they fall to the ground. He prays in this garden. He prays three times. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. God the Father, if it's possible, may this hour pass from me. But let me just simply say redemption's not possible apart from this. Redemption was not possible. If it were possible, Lord, all things are possible with you. If it's possible, And it's as though Jesus comes back, or God the Father comes back to God the Son, Jesus, and he says, It's not possible. It's not possible. Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. All the lying religions that are out there that claim that all the religions of the world are leading to the one same and only place, it's not true. It's not true. Jesus is the only way. Jesus' prayer to the Father in Gethsemane settles it completely. If it's possible, Jesus says, all things are possible with you. And Jesus prays this prayer. But Jesus, being God himself, knows that it's not possible. So he prays, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. It is true that all religions, all world religions, do lead to the same place, but it's not heaven, it's hell. That's not being unkind, that's being biblical. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There is only one way to get to heaven. And that's through a relationship in Jesus Christ. Being born again in him. No other name under heaven given among men whereby ye might, could. No, whereby ye must be saved. You must be saved if you're going to go to... God's heaven, you have to go God's way and he says you must be saved. He didn't say you must be religious. You didn't must you must join a church, you must pay a tithe. He didn't say any of that. He said you must be saved. Mark chapter 14 verse number 31 says and he Cometh the third time and saith unto them, sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The hour is come. The hour of redemption. The hour of death. The hour of sin that's placed upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want us to see a couple things in our time remaining this morning. With regards to the text that we see before us in the few verses that were read. Caleb read just a bit ago. I want to see, first of all, out of these verses, wicked sinners and wasted opportunities. Wicked sinners and wasted opportunities. Verse number 41, let me read it again. He cometh the third time and saith to them, sleep on now, <laughs> excuse me, and take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed. Notice this last phrase, out of verse number 41. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Wicked sinners and wasted opportunities. Now as we think about this text. As we look at this passage. It's easy for us to just read very quickly. And read through the words. And not let the words read into our lives. Not let them sink into our hearts. And we can read this sometimes. And I think the hands of sinners... The son of hand is betrayed into the hands of sinners. That's those people. Those people that had gathered in the garden. That crowd of uh, of soldiers that had come out to arrest Jesus and ultimately crucify Jesus. That crowd that would soon cry out, crucify him and crucify him. These are not the only sinners with guilty hands. They had guilty hands, but these are not the only sinners with guilty hands. Let's be sure we see ourselves here. Let's be sure we see ourselves here. Let's be sure we see ourselves as sinners as well. He's to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. For all have sinned and come short the glory of God. Jesus died, we understand, and we know biblically and truthfully, Jesus died for our sins. We were all guilty. It was just not this crowd. It was all of our sins. We too are guilty. Our sins were placed upon Jesus. They hung upon Calvary's tree. It was placed in the hands of sinners. Yes, they may have carried out the act. But it was our sins. We were just as guilty. But we were just as though we would have been there. We see wicked sinners. Let's see ourselves here. Not just them, but let's see ourselves in the text. Not only do we see wicked sinners, but I want you to notice with me, wasted opportunities. We see the word betrayed. Verse number 41. Betrayed into the hands of sinners. Betrayed. We know who this is. We've had several Sundays where we've discussed it. We've talked about it in the messages This one that betrayed is none other than Judas. Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. And let me say, there'll never be another Judas. There'll never be another Judas. Never another Judas that'll do what this man did. Um, There'll be another, never another. This'll never happen again. Jesus went to the cross. It'll never take, it'll never happen. It doesn't need to happen again. Finish once and for all. There'll never be another Judas But I want us to understand this morning, Judas Judas wasted opportunities. Judas wasted opportunities. And it's in this sense that there are scores of people who are just like him. Scores of people who've wasted opportunities. Just like him, we've wasted opportunities to be saved. Just like him, wasted opportunities to serve the Lord. Understand Judas, he walked with Jesus, but he died without Jesus. Many people go to church, but they've never been saved. Judas heard Jesus preach, but he never accepted the message. Many people have heard the gospel many, many times over and over again, but never accepted the message. They've never accepted Him as their personal Lord and Savior. Judas heard the warnings of Jesus, but he never heeded them. Heard the warnings of Jesus, but never heeded the warnings. He decided to go his own way, do his own thing. Do it as he saw fit and what he thought was best. He decided to go his own way and again and to, to make the decisions for himself. The Bible tells us, and we see the life of Judas, he lost everything. Judas committed suicide, and even that was a botched, tragic, and terrible event. The the Bible tells us that he fell headlong, and as he fell headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all of his bowels gushed out. What a terrible and tragic thing. Terrible and tragic. Judas died and went to hell. Many people hear the warning of Scripture. They come to a church. See what the Bible says. They hear the warnings of Scripture. They walk out. They never let it change their lives. They hear the warnings. They reject God. Reject God's way for their own way. And they're headed... For some sort of tragic and terrible eternity. What it may look like, I have no idea. But let me just simply say, don't reject Jesus. Don't reject. Don't turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to His warnings this morning. Wasted opportunities. We see wasted opportunities. Don't waste any more opportunities. Verses 42-46. through Look what He says. Arise. Up let us go, lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately while he yet spake, cometh Judas one of the twelve, and with him a great multitude with swords and with staves, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. And he that betrayed him had given them a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, He goeth straightway to him, speaking of Jesus, and saith, Master, Master, and he kissed him. The word used here for kissed him, when he kissed him, the the idea and the, the, the thought behind the word is not just a simple little peck on the cheek, but he kissed him passionately. Maybe even he kissed him a number of times. He kissed him and he kissed him again. Wasted opportunities. Stop rejecting. Stop rejecting the Lord and receive Him. The exit. The exit off the broad way that leads to destruction is the gospel. It's the gospel. And that's the way, the only way that leads to eternal life. Don't waste the opportunity. If you pass it up today, there's no guarantee that it'll come tomorrow. No guarantees that it'll come tomorrow. No guarantees that it'll come again. If you're saved, if you're not saved, you need to be saved. If you're not saved, let me simply say, quit wasting our life. Quit wasting the opportunities that God has given us to serve Him. Quit wasting the the gifts that God's given us. The finances that God's given us, the health that God's given us. It's time to get busy and get serious about living for God and serving Him. Live your days for Jesus Christ. Live your days for Jesus. Wasted opportunities. We see wicked sinners, we see wasted opportunities. In verses 47 through 50, I want to point out and notice with me impulsive ways. Impulsive ways. Verses 47 through 50. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple, teaching, and you took me not. But the scriptures might be fulfilled. And they all forsook him and fled. We see impulsive ways here. Impulsive ways. We know this to be this one who took a sword and he lopped off the ear of old Malchus. That's Peter. That's Peter. Peter had a habit of just acting impulsively and reacting impulsively, knee jerk reactions. And every time he did this, every time in the scriptures, every time he did this, he got ahead of God and he got out of the will of God. Let me just simply say, impulsive ways will always put us ahead of God and out of the will of God. We run ahead of him instead of waiting on him. He gets reckless and when we do this, we get reckless And we begin to presume uh, presume upon the will of God. And we launch out into a direction based upon our feelings. We launch out into a direction based upon our emotions, upon our fear, or even upon our anger. And we become reckless. How many times have we done this in our lives? When will we ever wait upon the word of God, wait upon the truth of God's word? The will of God understand this truth this morning. The will of God will never contradict the word of God. It'll never contradict the word of God. impulsive ways. Oh, it's so easy for us just to run off in a direction. And we look around and we're by ourselves and, and, and it's though God's not blessing. And we're how did we get out here in this wilderness journey? And we look and we look back and say, it was because I was impulsive. Instead of waiting upon God, instead of looking to God, seeking the will of God, I just ran my own direction, did my own thing. We see impulsive ways, but I want you to notice thirdly, merciful miracles. Merciful miracles. The Bible tells us that old Peter, he lops off the ear. No doubt he was going for the head, but he lops off the ear. We see a merciful miracle. Luke's account tells us that he touched the ear. Jesus touched the ear and he healed him. Merciful miracles. Even here we see Jesus being merciful to sinners. Here he's in the garden. He's on his way to the cross. The steps to the journey of the cross. We see the Lord being merciful to sinners. Oh, Malchus. No doubt, he had to be one of those who were out front. Oh, Peter whips out a sword. And it's not a, a long, one of those confederate swords. It's a small sword. And so he had to be up close. So he lops off Malchus's ear. Malchus was the one of those who were out front. And he's leading the crowd to arrest Jesus. Peter takes his ear off. And you know, I don't know that any of us would have complained or thought much about it if Jesus had said, well, you know, you had it coming. You had it coming. Malchus, you deserved it. Malchus, you're thankful. You ought to be thankful it wasn't your head. You had it coming, Malchus. Jesus didn't do that. Here we see merciful miracles. The Bible tells us that the Lord, the Lord, he touched his ear. It does not tell us that he picked the old ear up off the ground and put it back on his head. The Bible simply tells us he touched him. This is instantaneous healing, miraculous creation of God on the side of Malchus's head. I think this is amazing. Merciful miracles. Merciful miracles. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. They fail not. I wonder how many merciful miracles God has given us. How many of us are here this morning because of a merciful miracle God has performed in our lives? We don't even recognize it. We don't even see it. But God provides them day in and day out. Merciful miracles. We don't deserve it. We're out front running from God. Rebellious against God. But God in His love and His compassion and His mercy provides for us in miraculous ways. I like to think. I don't know. Heaven will tell. Eternity will tell. I like to think old Malcolm got saved. Malchus, I, I, Malcolm, Malchus got saved. I, I like to think he, he's in heaven. I, I, like, I don't know what the glorified body's going to look like, but I think if he's gotten saved and he's in heaven, one day we'll have a hard time talking to Malchus because we'll always be looking at his ear, you know, looking over on that side. Hey, Malchus, tell us what happened. Tell us about that story. Tell us about God's mercies. Remind us again how God was so good to you in your life in a time and a place when you were so wrong and out of place. Merciful miracles. We see wicked sinners, wasted opportunities, impulsive ways. Merciful miracles. And lastly, we'll close with this we're out of time. Willing submission. Willing submission. Look at verse number 46. And they laid their hands on him and took him. They laid their hands. These are the hands of sinners. They laid their hands on him and they took him. Verse number 53. And they led Jesus away to the high priests. Willing submission. Oh, they had tried to lay their hands on him before. They had tried to stone him and kill him before. But never could they. Understand this was not of their own strength. And this is not of their own power. This was of a willing submission. By Jesus Christ. No man takes my life from me. But I willingly. I lay it down. Willing submission. I don't know about you. But if I had been part of the crowd that day. I hope I had the awareness enough. I wonder old Malchus. Did he stay up front? Did he just run back? But another passage in the Gospels, it tells us they were looking for Jesus. And Jesus simply says the words, I am he. And the whole crowd fell to the ground. Now I wonder if they, after they shook off the, uh, the dizzy spell, they got back up and they kept coming. Now I don't know about you, but I hope I would had the awareness enough. That once I picked myself up off the ground, simply from hearing the words, I am he, that I wouldn't have still been part of this crowd. Understand, they did nothing that Jesus did not allow them to do. Willing submission. The fact that they laid hands on him and took him was not due to their own strength, but it was due to his willingness to go to the cross. It was due to His willingness to take step by step that journey that would lead Him to the cross for sinners just like me and for sinners just like you. Willing submission. It started here in the garden really long before. But we see it in the text, not my will but thou be done. And we see a continuation of it. And we'll continue to see that continuation all the way to the cross, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He was willing, He was willing for you, and He was willing for me. This is the story of Gethsemane. This is the story of what transpires in Gethsemane. And as we, the next few weeks, I'll be honest with you, I'm in a bit of a dilemma. I thought maybe that we would come Easter Sunday, get to resurrection morning. I don't know. We got a lot of verses to cover. I don't want to skip them. So we may have to not postpone Easter, okay? We won't do that. But we may have to work our way through. Because I want to see to the point. I want to get to the place. And we're working up to the place where He's alive He's not here, for he is risen. He lives forevermore. How do you know he lives? Because he lives within my heart, and I serve a risen Savior. Journey to the cross. He did it for you, and he did it for me. Have you received him? Don't waste the opportunities, don't keep on rejecting him. Think of the merciful miracles that God's given to you. All of us are sinners. But Jesus Christ loved us. Trust Him. Live for Him. Give Him your life this morning. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank You this morning for how good You are to us. We see from the Word of God all that You went through and all that You suffered. Lord, all of this was, nothing of this was due to Your own account. Nothing here was due to anything that You had done. You were the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Never, cre- never sinned, never thought of sin, never acted out of sin. Lord, it was ours. It was mine that you went for. You went for me. And every one of us here in this building, we could put our name in John three sixteen. For God so loved, we p- apply our name there. He loved me. And he would send his son and die on a cruel, rugged cross. For a wicked sinner like me. And Lord you did that so that we may have life. We may have more abundant life. That we may have the forgiveness of sins. That we may not be under the penalty. The wage of sin. That one day. Lord you're coming to get us. That is our hope. What a blessed hope that is. But maybe not all have it here in this building. Maybe those listening by live stream. Not all have it. But they can. I pray that today be a day of accepting, receiving. Don't waste this opportunity. Receive the gift of salvation for the Christian. Lord, help us to get off the fence. Lord, help us to start living for you in a very serious, very purposeful way. Put away anything that would hinder or that would get in the way of living and serving Reaching our lost world for the cause of Jesus. Lord, help us to surrender this morning. You've been good to us. We thank you. Now, Lord, help us to be responsive to that goodness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.